The Talking Points podcast is produced in partnership with C. Michael Gibson and clinicaltrialresults.org. Mike Gibson and Jan Cornell coming to you virtually from ESC 2020. And Jan, you've just published what I think is a landmark article in the New England Journal about colchicine in coronary artery disease. Tell us a little bit about why you did the study, how you did it, and what you found. Yeah, we had a discussion in the Netherlands uh, in 2014 about uh, information therapies. I wasn't at the steering committee of the Kentos trial, and I read an article. Uh, from a, a guy called Mark Nydorf in Australia, and he described a pilot study in, in Jack. Um, after that discussion, I thought it was time to do a well-designed trial. Uh, we organized the Netherlands, made contact with the Australian colleagues, and uh, made a consortium where, in the end, we randomized 5,500 5, participants uh, in a chronic situation so stable coronary artery disease in our trial uh, uh, 85 uh, 58% of the patients have a, a previous uh, ACS chronic disease um, most often more than two years ago they had their uh, uh, infarction so it's just a chronic population well treated we they have all had their statin therapies either azetamide or combination uh, high dose in two-thirds of, in the, in the, of the patients. Uh, they had their ACE inhibition. They had their antiplatelet, either anticoagulant therapy. So it was a well-treated um, population. And normally, most cardiology think this is a rather low-risk population. Um, but I'm afraid there's still a, a rather large residual risk. So we treat those patients. They have not really complaints. And we randomized them for a low dose colchicine. We didn't select uh, for high dose, for uh, high sensitive CRP or something like that. Uh, this is an all common population. Uh, and after two and a half years mean follow up, we ended up with a yearly uh, placebo event rate of 3.6%. So translated in, uh, in after 10 years of more than 30%. So that's a, a stable line. And really, the, the, these patients are at risk. And what we if found is that, Jan, this was a stable population, so it was a line, not curvy linear, but a line. Right. And that line shows tremendous residual risk, as you're pointing yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. That's the first remarkable finding, according to me, because yeah, when you at first hide hand sites, look at the, 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 the demographics, it doesn't look as a high risk population but they are and what we found is a more than 30 percent risk reduction in our primary composite endpoint of cardiovascular deaths myocardial infarction ischemic stroke and ischemia driven coronary refask uh, impressive um, p-value below uh, 0 0.001 uh, and the curves uh, diverge diverged uh, immediately so the effect is within some months appearance and uh, continues to uh, uh, divert and so that's uh, I think a strong signal uh, and in line with the people from the Colcott study 
who last year, uh, after a uh, MI, recent MI, within some weeks, uh, did uh, found a similar uh, thing. The strong point of our study is, is also in the composite endpoints uh, and in the individual endpoint of ischemia-driven refask and myocardial infarction, we had a consistent 30% reduction of the relative risk. And for the primary endpoint, we found an absolute reduction of 2.8%. So it's clinical relevant. Yeah, so you'd only have to treat maybe 30-some, 30 35-some patients to prevent one event. Yeah. And of course, it's a low-dose colgacine, but they, those patients use oak high-dose statins. There are some uh, uh, safety issues with that. So we had a, had a rigid uh, safety program where we looked at all kinds of uh, things like cancer, infection, myotoxicity, but we didn't find a, a hazard signal uh, for colgacine. So it appears to be a rather safe thing to do. Um, and, and although we don't have a signal on mortality. I see. But hey, you know, I think we're preventing those other events is very important. Um, have you been able to do a meta-analysis of your trial with uh, some of the other work? Uh, we are busy with it, and I hope within some weeks that will be published. That's, that's great. And what's the current cost of colchicine? I remember hearing that there was only one manufacturer, and they decided to raise the cost is it still inexpensive or is it expensive now there are several manufacturers so in australia and in canada is also a different manufacturer so uh, i i know the the figures from europe it's five cents per day five euro cents day. wow that's amazing so, that's amazing anybody can afford this anyone can afford aspirin Anyone should be able to afford this. Uh, in certain parts of Europe, anyone should be able to afford a statin. Yeah. Uh, it's great to see what is old is news. And, you know, I think you're really, again, highlighting the importance of the inflammatory axis. Is that right, Jan? Yeah, we today also published some uh, sub-studies. In circulation, we published a sub-study about the proteomics. So the uh, protein expression and has, uh, especially there are effects on the uh, IL-6 pathway, which is well known, and effects on the- CRP, right? Because IL-6 is what drives CRP elevation. So it, on the neutrophil responsiveness, so it's a, it has broad cellular actions. And uh, we did another sub-study in the run-in phase where we uh, showed that it indeed lowers CRP by 40%, and IL-6 by 30%. That's wow. published in PLOS One to the book. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Well, what, uh, what a contribution, Jan. Uh, thank you for sharing with us. Thanks to all of you for joining us here by digital means for the Digital ESC Congress. And uh, we'll see you soon.